0: At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what is known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. They gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God, who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send some men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner." Whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared he fell into a trance he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds then a voice told him get up peter kill and eat surely not lord peter replied I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call anything impure that God has made unclean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. This is the word of the Lord. May I speak in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pride, Prejudice and Prayer, called it, Acts chapter 10. Now, if I say pride and prejudice, what springs to mind? <laughs> Jane, Austen. Jane Austen. And then if you if you think sorry? Uh, 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 yeah, and then think a little bit further on from that to the BBC's original presentation. Oh, Colin. <laughs> Right, ladies, I know you want to see it, don't you? (laughs) Let's just get this out of the way first, shall we? Sorry, That's all you're getting. <laughs> I know it's better than any sermon, but there you are. You've got to can't be helped, can it? I got your attention anyway, didn't I? So, pride and prejudice and prayer. Well, it's got absolutely nothing to do with Colin Firth at all. Um, it's Acts chapter 10, as I've said now. God's design for saving the world was always much bigger than the Jewish nation. Jesus said that God God had sent him to die for the whole world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. And he gave the Great Commission to his disciples, didn't he? He said, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We're very familiar with that. And that was spoken to the apostles and the disciples. And we see those words in Acts uh, chapter 2. All nations. And then a few days later, we get the events of, of Pentecost. And uh, the Spirit is poured out on the disciples, and Peter preaches that famous sermon. And a few days later, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, <coughs> we see that, not that he would, they were to be witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, but also to the ends of the earth. All nations, if you like. But all the believers up to that time were Jews. And they'd heard the Great Commission, but they still thought of God dealing with them as a nation. They couldn't quite get their heads round that it was for anybody else. Now, you might have been brought up with the idea flippantly, I say this flippantly, that God, of course, is a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Alive and well in West Bridgeford. But we know, of course, that he's not. And that the good news of salvation is for everyone. And then we see in Acts chapter 8 that they go to the Samaritans. Now the Samaritans, of course, were still Jews, but they had intermarried centuries before. When the Assyrian Empire had taken over the northern kingdom of Israel and um, put their own people in, although they had Jewish blood in them, and they still had the tenets of Jewish worship, they were frowned on, really, by pure pure Jews. Um, And we see in Acts chapter 8 how Peter goes to some villages in Samaria, and we see the Samaritans receive the Holy Spirit. And the Jews, Peter and his fellow apostles, were absolutely astonished, we're told, that God would want to give his Holy Spirit to Samaritans. Unthinkable. Reluctant though they were, they did make that step, they crossed that barrier. And they came to that place taking the good news to the Samaritans, and they received the Holy Spirit. But Gentiles, we're talking a whole different ball game here. It's all about their upbringing as a Jew, what was in their DNA, and Gentiles were totally untouchable. For instance, a strict Jew would never allow himself to be a guest in a Gentile house, even if they were invited. Never invite a Gentile to their home. And scribal law said that Gentile homes were ceremonially unclean. Even the dirt from a Gentile country was considered unclean. We hear the phrase about shaking the dust off. So if they had been anywhere near a Gentile country, they come back into the safe Jewish land. they take their clothes off and shake the dirt out. A symbolic of cleaning. Um, and they were such bigots. They really were. Uh, milk drawn from a cow by a Gentile hands so if you had a Gentile milkmaid, that could not be consumed by Jews. had to be thrown away. Bread and oil prepared by a Gentile could be sold to a stranger, but never consumed by a Jew. If a meal had been prepared in a saucepan by a Gentile, it had to be purified by fire and water before any Jew would consider cooking a meal in it. The Old Testament didn't teach any of this. It was all made up by scribal law. And so, this story is quite remarkable and quite difficult for Peter. Very difficult for him. He wouldn't call himself a prejudiced man. He wouldn't call himself a bigot in any way. It was who he was. It was how he was brought up. And how was he going to overcome these barriers? Well, like any other barrier, when God wants to break it down, he intervenes and does so. So let's have a look at at this story, shall we? First of all, um, God prepares the way, as he always does. He's working there before we ever get there. And in this story, we read of his working in the life of this centurion, Cornelius. He was part of the um, Italian brigade or the Italian band. God does something big and he prepares the way for Cornelius. And what does he do? There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was in charge of a hundred men or so, and a roughly equivalent of a captain in our army. And we're told that he was a good man. There's lots of good people around, aren't there? there are lots of kind, generous people. Lots of people who would not say they are Christians who would say they didn't have any particular belief, but they're nice people. And they'll help people. And they'll give to charity. How do we react to them? Because this was what Cornelius was. He was a good man, but he was one of them. Not only was he a Gentile, but he was part of the Roman occupying power. A very difficult situation for someone like Peter to be put in. But he was a man who prayed. I asked a group of people earlier this week, on Monday, who have recently become Christians and just been um, confirmed at Colson Bassett the other week. We were talking about prayer, and I asked them, before you became a Christian, did you pray? And they all said, yes, there were six of them, and they all said yes. And I guess if we went out now and did a vox pop in the Central Avenue and asked people, do you pray? Quite a lot of them would say, yes. Isn't it extraordinary when a tragedy happens? Our thoughts and prayers are with you. People say that, don't they, commentators. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. I'm not quite sure what they mean. Uh, I'm not sure that they know what they mean. But there is a general acceptance that there is a higher being who is greater than ourselves, to whom we can turn. And Cornelius, for his part, knew this. And he prayed. And as he prayed, God spoke to him. Meanwhile, Peter the Jew prays to God. Now he's staying with Simon the Tanner in Joppa by the sea. Have you ever visited a tannery? They're very unpleasant places. And in those days, they were even more unpleasant. That's why it was by the sea. They stank. Because the process of tanning just didn't involve the bark of oak trees, it involves, well, large quantities of poo. That's how tannin happened. So somebody was a tanner. They were a bit of an outcast anyway. But you didn't need to ask where Simon lived. You just sniffed the air. And you went there. And there was Peter. Why he was there, what his relationship was, we don't know. But he was a guest in Simon the Tanner's house. And... Uh, He goes up on the roof to pray at noon, as was his custom. Now, like many of us, the sun's a bit hot, get a bit drowsy, a bit hungry, and I have been known to drop off in such circumstances. Usually it's half an hour before dinner in the evening. Just as Pointless is coming to an end, I'm snoring peacefully in my armchair. It's what people like me do. Uh, It's part of being retired, I'm told, having an afternoon nap. Um, And that's what happens to Peter. But he's praying, he's in the spirit. And God speaks to him in the most extraordinary way. In a way that he couldn't begin to fathom. He sees this sheet or tarpaulin coming down. And he looks in it, and there's all these unclean animals. So what we have is two people praying to God. One, Cornelius, and God shows himself to him, and says to him, send some people to Simon the Tanner, and get here, uh, to, and find Peter, and bring him to your house, the gentle house of a Roman centurion, because he's got something to tell you. And Cornelius listens to God, the angel, and he does what he's told. But God also shows himself to Peter in this vision of all these unclean animals. And he, the voice says to him, get up, kill and eat these things. Well, I don't know whether you've ever seen that program. I think it's called... I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And when they have to eat the most disgusting things. I mean, witchety grubs. Anybody had a witchety grub lately? No, I couldn't. Oh, eating spiders and rats. And, oh. and it was just the same for Peter. That was his reaction. No, that's disgusting. I will never do that. Three times that voice came. And said to him, these are God's creatures. Why are you being so negative? So what was the reaction? Well, we have two reactions. First, Cornelius says, yes, I will. And he does what he's told. And then Peter blows his top. (laughs) And when I was reading this, it put me in mind of just how God can work in people some of you might remember this I'm not going into the politics of that. But I could show you another clip of him a few years later. A different man. The rights and wrongs of it I'm not going to go into. But he was a changed man. And that never, never, never was put behind. In the cause of peace. And that can only come about by God's Spirit working in people's hearts. The same happened in South Africa. People would say, before apartheid finished, there would be a bloodbath. And they could never live peacefully together. Never, ever. And Christians came together and they prayed in vast quantities. And on the day of the election, there was black and white in the same queue, with no animosity and no bloodbath. Yes, there are problems. There are problems in every country. But the power of the Spirit can, can overcome prejudice and pride. So pride is overcome. And God changes Peter's heart. Everything that he fundamentally believed in, just like In Paisley, was put aside because God had spoken to him and changed his heart. And all that he thought was important, all that he thought he held dear, he was able to put aside and be obedient to the call of his God. And meanwhile, we have Cornelius, whose heart is open to God who knows that there is more. He wants to know more. And my friends, there are thousands of people out there who want to know more. Maybe it's why promoting Alpha is such an important task for a church congregation, and things like that. There are people who want to know more. And we must not be a church that is so wrapped up in its own things That it denies them the chance of knowing Jesus. We have a responsibility to put aside our own preferences and sometimes, yes, prejudices and very often our own pride for the sake of those who do not know the Lord Jesus. I met a barber in Rugby a few years ago, well, last year, and he's got a barber shop. He's absolutely crammed. He's a Christian, he became a Christian covered in tattoos and piercings. And he said to me, he said, God has put me in this barbershop and it was ramful of people. Well, Nobody went into that barbershop without hearing about Jesus. Absolutely ramful. He said, God gave me a vision and he's given me a mission. And what was that, he said? I've got to pull people out of the queue for hell. That's what I'm called to do. Pull people out of the queue for hell. And that has to be our mission as well, to bring people to know the Lord Jesus. So Peter's heart was changed because Cornelius' heart was open. And so, I've got pages stuck together, bear with me. God's purposes are fulfilled. Peter overcomes, first of all, his pride. He overcomes his prejudice. And he overcomes his fear. Because pride and bigotry and prejudice very often comes out of fear. Our fear. Our fear of the unknown. Our fear of being asked to step outside our comfort zone of where we are. But if we put our hand in the hand of God, it's scary, but it's safe. He will not take us anywhere we can't go. He will not ask us to do anything we can't do. Because he will equip us. God sets it up. He spoke to Cornelius. He spoke to Peter. All they had to do was act. God speaks to us. All we have to do is act. God is out there working in the lives of good people. And people we would call bad. In the lives of everyone. He's working out there now, this morning. In the bars and the coffee shops. On the riverbank, Nottingham. All over the place, God is working in the hearts of people. Are we called to be a Peter? Peter to set aside what we want, our prejudices, to go to them. Put aside our fear. And Peter does that, and he delivers the good news to all. And God does the rest. If you just look at your Bible again, what does he do? I didn't read it all. Peter goes to Cornelius' house. He tells them the good news of Jesus Christ. And then what happened? While Peter was still speaking these words, talking about the resurrection, who is Jesus? Why did Jesus have to die? What about the resurrection? Who is the Holy Spirit? And while he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Well, you might say, well, we're not like that. I did an experiment in one of the parishes I was in years ago. I had a a curate. She was a fairly middle-aged lady. And I said, Elizabeth, I want to do a little bit of experiment. Would you mind dressing up as a tart?" And she was a very proper lady. So when I explained why, she said, yes, I'll do it. So we started the service. And we were just in the first prayer. And she came in the door. And even I didn't recognize her. And she catwalked up the aisle and sat there. And you could hear the gasps. People were scandalised. It made a point. A very sad story. I had a friend who was a chaplain at uh, a young offenders institute uh, Onley, And he had a letter from a church. I can't remember where it was. Because he had given one of the young men who had he'd been dealing with and helping who'd become a Christian, and he said, go to this church, that's the nearest one to where you live. And he received a letter from the church, and the letter said, please do not send any more of your convicts to our church. We're not like that. We need to be open to what God is saying. So God, finally, God prepares the hearts of those who need the good news. He prepares the hearts of those called to tell the good news. And God, through his Holy Spirit, works in the hearts of all, sinner and saint. Amen. Let's just be still for a moment.